And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. As always, if you're looking for something to do downtown, if you're at the banks, you're going to a Reds game. All, you know, three, 4,000 of you that go to Reds games uh, every day. Uh, make sure you stop by and visit our good friends at the Holy Grail. They'll get you taken care of. Great food, great drinks. And they are the longest standing sponsor of this year network. So support the people that support us. Get yourself down to the best bar in Cincinnati at the Holy Grail. And they will get you taken care of. All right. Special episode tonight, Dave. It's not just me and Dave Simone, as I usually see. Uh, but it is also our first time to welcome to this show the defensive court for the Bearcats. One of the best in the business, none other than Brian Brown. Coach, welcome to the show. Welcome to the network. It is a pleasure to have you. Awesome, awesome, guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on, uh, Chad and Dave, man. It's a, it's a, player, uh, a privilege. Uh, talking to Zach, um, you know, when I first got here, you know, we talked about doing a lot of different things uh, in the media. Uh, and this is one of the first things he said. He said, hey, I got to get you on next Wednesday. All right, can you do it next Wednesday? Can you do it this Wednesday? <laughs> so he was trying to get me on, man. And so this was one of the nights that I was able to get on. And uh, uh, so I'm, I'm excited to uh, uh, to visit with you guys for a little bit. Well, spring ball throws a loop in things because you guys are all, you know, you get done with practice. You got to watch film. You got a, a yeah. million other things to do. Yeah. So it's like, you know what, let's actually it'll be better if we wait until spring ball is over yes and that way we can get like kind of the, the full vision of, of what you yeah. saw through 15 practices and, and obviously the spring game mm-hmm. and all of that stuff but uh let, let's talk first off uh what got you into coaching what 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 greased the wheels what got you into this and, and got you to where you are right now well you know man i'm i'm, I'm from a huge family and uh, my mom uh, has 10 brothers and sisters um, so seven girls, four boys, and, and, and of course I have a, a brother as well. And so we grew up in a family of athletes and, uh, so playing at, uh, playing all different types of sports, football, basketball, baseball, growing up, um, you know, I ended up falling in love with, uh, you know, one of my coaches, uh, in high school and his name was David Robbins. Um, but he took me on his wing as a, as a youngster, I was a manager for the high school guys, um, you know, when I was in uh, middle school. And uh, went to all different trips and even, uh, you know, even camps, you know, summer camps. And uh, uh, so he, he just he just, you know, I just saw how he took care of not only myself, but a lot of other guys uh, on the team. And, uh, uh, you know, that that I played for even when I was a manager. And uh, and I just saw how he carried himself and how he affected uh, so many young lives. Uh, I said, I want to do that. You know, and then, of course, once I got to college playing for David Cutcliffe and uh, Rod Barnes in basketball at Ole Miss, uh, it just heightened my want, uh, my want to, uh, to, to get in this profession. And, uh, I've had a lot of, a lot of good coaches over my career that I played for and, uh, owe a lot to those guys. Um, uh, but I, it started with coach David Robbins, uh, back in Carth high school. Where did, where did the aggression come from? Like uh, <laughs> you look at your defense, it, it's aggressive. It wants to get after you. It wants to make plays. Where did that come from uh, as you were like building up into this? I think uh, a little bit of it, um, you know, they say, you know, you are what your uh, your players are what you are, uh, meaning, uh, you know, what we see on, on the film, that's us as coaches. And, and I think a little bit of that is uh, I'm aggressive. <laughs> you know, I'm a little bit aggressive anyway myself. 
uh, you know, when I played uh, on the basketball court or, uh, or, or, or the football field. And uh, that's kind of where it came from a little bit. But, uh, you know, seeing uh, many different defenses that I played uh, in, uh, coached in, uh, I took a lot of those things that uh, I learned from, uh, from those guys, from, from the coaches that I played for as well as some of the coordinators that I worked for and kind of blended it in uh, and, and put it into our own little spin uh, of this defense. Uh, this defense was, you know, uh, Nate Woody, uh, coordinator for uh, Army right now. He taught me this defense. Uh, I worked for him for a couple of years at Appalachian State. And uh, and once he left, I, I ended up, you know, uh, getting promoted to be in the D.C. Uh, for Coach Satterfield at, at App State. And, uh, and I just want to do a couple of different things, you know, bring a lot more pressure. And, and I, I know from playing the quarterback position, when you're giving the quarterback multiple different looks, uh, as well as bringing pressure after pressure after pressure, he has no idea where it's coming from. It frustrates them uh, and they can't get on schedule. And, and that's one thing that, uh, you know, I'll never forget when I played in high school, uh, my last high school football game, the state championship game, uh, I felt that pressure. <laughs> uh, we ended up losing the game and uh, I was quarterback, but, I felt a lot of pressure from those guys down in college, Mississippi. And, uh, and I said, Hey, that's what you want to do to quarterbacks. You want to bring a lot more, a lot, a lot of pressure, mix different coverages in and, uh, and see what happens. Let, let's, before we get to the Bearcats, let's hit on a couple, uh, a couple Louisville things. Uh, look like, uh, and Dave and I will get to some, uh, some other draft talk, uh, later in the show, but you got probably three guys that are going to be going in the draft. Yeah, I think uh, we we'll have this it. weekend. Yeah, I think we we'll have about three guys. Um, Yaya Diaby, uh, actually got to get on the call in the morning at seven a.m. Uh, with some scouts in the morning about him. Um, so he he'll be a guy uh, for sure. Uh, you know, a great human being. I, I mean, an awesome, awesome kid. Uh, plays hard, plays the right way, uh, and worked on his body tremendously uh, during his time at Louisville. And and he's put himself in a a really good spot uh, to get drafted uh, this coming up weekend. Uh, Yasir Abdullah, uh, the guy that comes off the edge, he played the dog position, the outside linebacker from the boundary. Uh, uh, another great kid, you know, all of these kids that I'm mentioning right now, they, they're, they're kids that, uh, you, you wouldn't mind your daughter dating, you know, that's, that's the type of kids they are. Uh, but great, great football players as well. Uh, Yasir is, uh, uh, started for us, you know, over the last three and a half years and did a tremendous job, you know, and I think he really should have won the. ACC Defensive Player of the Year, you know, this past season uh, for the stats that he had and what he put up. Uh, and then Trey Clark. Um, Trey Clark was one of uh, uh, the corner uh, that started for me uh, for the last three years. Uh, we got him as a transfer from Liberty and just a great, great kid as well, you know, and, and loves the game. Uh, when I say this kid studies the game like no other, uh, man, he, he studies it like no other. He, he wants to know every single detail that he possibly can know uh, so he can go out there and perform on Saturdays. Uh, and, and have a little edge on the uh, on the offense for us defensively, uh, and then I think we'll have some guys that you know possibly end up going free agency maybe, um, you know as well. Momo Sonogo uh, is a guy that you know I think is uh, um, you know one of the uh, best leaders that I've ever been around. Uh, I mean he we got him as a transfer from Ole Miss from my alma mater, and he came in in January, and he ended up being a captain for us. So that lets you know uh, the type of impact he had not only on, uh, you know, our team, uh, but us as, as coaches staff as well. You know, he was just a great human being in, in, in our meetings each and every day, uh, you know, watching the game film, watching, uh, listen to the game plan. And so he can go out and help 
uh, the other guys, uh, you know, perform on Saturdays and throughout the week in practice as well. All right, I'm going to turn you over. Dave, Dave's our guy that likes to talk ball. He, he likes to get in the weeds. With it, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll turn on, you over to Dave here for a little bit. All Come right. on with it. <laughs> so we'll, we'll stay with, with last year. You guys took a huge jump from 21 to 22 in, what, you know, in, in the Havoc plays, the mm. turnovers, the sacks, the tackles for loss. Was there something you decided to do differently scheme-wise? Was it player development took a big jump? Was it both? Just kind of walk us through like the yeah. progression of how you guys went from where you were to, you know, top of the nation in pretty much all of those categories. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both, Dave, uh, from a player development standpoint. You know, when when we got to Louisville in 2019, um, I was the fourth defensive coordinator that they had had in four years. So each year they were, uh, you know, uh, you know, going through – uh, spring ball and and in the fall uh, with one coordinator and he's recruiting for his his uh, his group of guys his defense and then you have another guy come in and doing the exact same thing so that happened you know three straight times before I got there so uh, so many different you know elements of uh, you know different type of players for different type of schemes that were kind of just thrown into that group uh, you know at Louisville that defense. And, and I think what we did, we came in, we, we moved some guys' positions. Uh, we had to recruit uh, to get that way. And we knew it was going to take uh, some years to, to get that thing back on track. Uh, and, and I think that's what ended up happening. We got some guys in there that developed. Uh, we, we also got some guys from the transfer portal as well that really, really helped us, uh, you, know, um, you know, speed that process up a little bit faster this past season. Uh, and then a little bit scheme-wise as well. We played a little bit more. Uh, you know, nickel uh, with a, with another DB in the slot uh, most of the time, probably 80, 85, 95% of the time. And, and I think that helped us do a lot more different things from a coverage aspect as well as pressure. Uh, and I always say, hey, man, pressure pressure dictates coverage and coverage dictates pressure. And, and I think when you have those guys in the back end, I thought we had a really, really solid group last year in the back end. And I knew we had an unbelievable front uh, that was going to be able to get out to the quarterback. And those two things meshed together well. And I thought our guys pressured really well and timed everything up and, and just really honed in on the game plan. Uh, so it was a little bit of both development, but also a little bit of change in scheme, uh, more pressure as opposed to, uh, you know, a little bit more coverage uh, from the previous year. I'm I'm all for your style of defense, but how do you kind of manage the push and pull of being super aggressive while also, you know, maintaining a reasonable yards per play average and and not leaving yourself susceptible to to big chunk plays when you're just constantly bringing pressure. You're somewhere there's going to be something that can be exploited. So kind of how do you balance that? Well, I think uh, a lot of that is just game planning, you know, just understanding, uh, you know, what the, uh, the the other team, the the, the other opponent, the coordinator, uh, their style of play as well. You know, some teams you cannot uh, pressure as much as others, uh, you know, and, and then I think a lot of times uh, you look at, you know, teams that they're just quick game all day long, you know, and if they're quick game, it's no need to pressure because you never get there. Right. So then that's when you get exploited, like those things, what you're talking about. Uh, you know, we try to play a lot more with a post safety 
and I think that's helped us cut down a lot of our uh, big chunk plays. And uh, anytime you got a guy that posts, uh, it helps. It helps out a whole lot. And, and if something does break, like you're talking about, uh, you at least have a guy back there to be able to get it down. Uh, but you have to be really, uh, you know, uh, strategic in bringing new pressure, uh, certain down and distances, certain uh, areas of the field, uh, and then also versus certain formations, you know, uh, that, that we like to pressure uh, with. And we try to, you know, not put ourselves out there, uh, you know, on a limb a lot. Uh, but sometimes you have to in order to, uh, you know, get some of those uh, uh, those big plays that, that we had this past season uh, to be able to go our way and get the ball back to our offense. I have uh, – hold on, I got, I got one more real quick. No. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> so, so I have insomnia, and a couple of weeks ago I was up uh, very early in the morning and caught some of the Wake Forest game. Yeah. Are you willing to go on the record and say the third quarter of the Wake Forest game will be – pretty much what we can expect all season <laughs> hey I, I'm, I'm hope i'm knocking on wood right now as we speak uh that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping that uh we can have a uh a turnout like that you know what was your what were your thoughts as, as that was just unfolding because they turned it over five straight possessions and a close game turned into a blowout and like it, it was just wild to watch yeah. I'm, I'm sure it was the it, same experience it was it, it was it's it's kind of like uh you know um the Michael Jordan game where he hit those right. in a row and he just the shrug, yes. you know, uh, that's exactly what happened. Coach Satterfield shrugged me, uh, you know, on one of the the pick sixes. And as I'm running down the sideline, we got the pick and uh, and I push him. And then, you know, he he does this to me like this is this is unbelievable, you know. And uh, it was just a great sight to see. Number one, just seeing the players out there performing and executing the game plan. I mean, to a T. And that's it a Damn it was good under, offense that is yes. very hard to defend with their yes. mesh mesh and everything. Yes. Like. yes, it was awesome. It was awesome game. And, you know, the one thing, every time we play those guys outside of the first season in 2019, when it was a complete shootout, like 60-something to 59, we ended up winning that game. Uh, we actually were one of the teams that actually played them, you know, probably the best throughout those years. Whether it was 2020, we beat them in our place. Um, they beat us at their place, but it was a close game. Uh, the year we played them at Appalachian State, we should have won that game. We lost by two points, I think, uh, you know, missed a couple field goals. Uh, but our guys executed. It was, it was just fun, David. I mean, it was an awesome sight to see, man. So hopefully we can we can uh, replicate that, you know, gonna, a couple I'm times. I'm going to hold, hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Terminology-wise, I, I want to get the people used to what they're going to be hearing when I'm asking you questions in a in a practice after a practice or a post game press conference, the last staff focused very heavily on field boundary, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of the terminology of of they had a lot of separation on field safety, field you know, field mm -hmm. linebacker, boundary safety, boundary boundary corner. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the staples we're going to hear when we hear Brian Brown talk about his defense? so that the fan base can kind of understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, well I'll start up front with our three down linemen. Uh, so you'll, you'll hear us talk about, uh, you know, a boundary end uh, as well as a, a nose and, and, and the field end. Uh, and, and the guy to the boundary, uh, he's a little bit bigger, uh, bigger defensive end. And, and, and we want to bring, uh, you know, that dog, that outside linebacker from the boundary. We call him the dog. He always aligns to the boundary most of the time. Um, but, 
that that defensive end is is a bigger guy that that plays a lot of three technique, a good bit of time as well. We're slanting to some three. Uh, the nose is you know very very important in his defense. I mean I mean it's very very important that he has to do Lucky a really good you. job. And lucky me, what did I walk into? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, you got uh, you got Dante Corleone playing that spot right now. That's done a hell of a job, uh, as well as with that boundary end spot. You know, Briggs has done a tremendous job there as well. And we move Briggs, you know, uh, to nose as well at times. He'll play some nose if Dante's not in. Uh, and then the field in spot, you know, Eric Phillips has kind of been manning that position right now. Has done a, f- a phenomenal job. That guy's more of your your quick twitch. Uh, bigger defensive end, you know, that's going to play some five technique, can rush really well on those tackles. And and that's what you kind of hear from us up front, talk about the boundary and the field end and the nose. Uh, and then when you look at the backer spot, the dog spot, the dog position, he typically aligns to the boundary uh, majority of the time. And and he's a, a stand-up linebacker that can rush off the edge as well as drop, um, you know, in coverage. We move him around. He'll play some stand-up linebacker as well. Uh, and then you look at the two inside backers. So the dog and the wheel linebacker, they travel together. Okay, so those guys will travel together. And that wheel linebacker is a guy that's a uh, very hedgy football player, that's very, has to have some speed, can cover, uh, and run sideline to sideline. And, and the mic is more of your traditional mic, you know, mic linebacker that, uh, you know, does a lot of thumping, uh, but can cover as well. And I think we've we found that in, in Jack Dingle. He's done a tremendous job for us, a big kid that's, that's coming into his own right now. And at that wheel spot right now, man, in that position is uh, uh, Dorian Jones, who we bought over from uh, from Louisville. Uh, and then you look at the star spot. I, now you're talking about the secondary guys. Uh, I have one of the uh, best privileges of coaching a guy by the name of Deshaun Pace. Uh, that kid is amazing. Uh, and he's a guy that's, uh, you know, plays a star position, the nickel, uh, as some people call it. And, uh, you know, you have to cover. You have to cover. You have to tackle. Um, you have to do, a, you know, a lot of different things in zone coverages. Um, I mean, one practice this kid had maybe two interceptions, a forced fumble, uh, fumble recover. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And Coach Sat walks up to me after practice. He's like, I've never seen a guy have a practice like he had today in my whole entire coaching career. And so he's done a tremendous job at that spot. And then the safety spots, um, you, you you talk about the strong safety. The strong safety to me for my defense uh, is nothing but a really a glorified corner uh, that can cover, you know, because in this day and age, man, you got to have guys that can cover, especially in this league where they want to throw the football around a good bit, right? Um, so that guy typically aligns to the, to the field, you know, a good bit of time when he travels with the, you know, the number two receiver. And then the free safety is a guy that can, um, you know, uh, I put him in a box at times, you know, uh, as a kind of like a linebacker at times and fits, uh, but also uh, has the ability to play deep post safety as well as deep half safeties. And, um, you know, so uh, we have uh, threats at that spot and, and as well as, um, you know, DJ Taylor's played that spot as well, but he's been playing the strong safety spot. But right now, man, in the strong safety spot is Todd Ward. Uh, smart kid. I mean, I wish I had, you know, 90,000 of Todd Wards. I mean, he's unbelievable. He he, he is like a pro. That's he, he carries himself like a pro. He practices like a pro. Uh, he's in meetings, you know, taking notes like a pro. He's coming up there meeting with us as coaching staff while we're watching practice for him, you know, to just continue to learn. And so he's done a great job. Uh, and then at the corner spots, uh, you got to have some dudes. You, you got to have some guys that can cover. You know, we got to be able to leave those guys out there on the island at times. And, and in order to do so, uh, you got to have some guys that can 
can freaking do it. And Sammy, Sammy Anderson is, is man in one of those spots. And we try to play boundary fields sometimes. Uh, but the best thing is when you can have both of those guys go right and left. Now you got something. And I think that's what we have right now with, with Jordan Young uh, as the other corner. Uh, and we've been playing, you know, most of the spring, um, you know, toward the half, second half of the spring, we just started going right and left corners. And, and it worked out really, really well. And those guys are competing their tails off. It's, it's a great group of kids, man, all of them. Uh, and I'm excited to be able to work with them. Speaking of corner, what's it like working with Carrie? That's my dude. Do you drink more coffee now than That's you've ever had before? No. Yeah, keep well, up. well, I don't. He hadn't gotten me to drink more coffee, but that guy drinks. I don't know. I mean, he could probably drink a liter of coffee a day. Do you I wear shorts say. when it's 30 degrees out? Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Coach, Coach <laughs> going to wear them shorts now. He, it, it don't matter how cold it is outside. Sometimes he's going to wear them shorts. But that dude, they told me before I got here, they said, hey, he, he, he drinks a lot of coffee now. And so one of the first meetings, uh, I said, all right, guys, let's take a, let's take a bathroom break. He's like, all right, I'm going to get some more coffee. And next thing you know, he downed that coffee. And then the next thing you know, he's going back and getting him another. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This guy really loves some coffee. He really does. It's amazing. But that guy's unbelievable. I, I met Kerry when he was at Ohio State uh, as a coach. And it was maybe about 2014, 15, somewhere around that area. And met him on the road recruiting. And then ran into him again uh, when he was with the Titans. And we went and visited the Titans and did uh, – during the OTAs and set in on meetings and things of that nature. And uh, so met him then and, uh, uh, and then now having the opportunity to be able to work with him, I share those stories when he's like, man, like you don't forget anything. You, you remember everything. And so I had to show him some pictures that I had saved on my phone from his meeting uh, with the Titans and things of that nature. But uh, what an awesome guy, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's unbelievable to work with, man. Uh, the kids respect him. The town respects him. Uh, we call him the mayor of Cincinnati. Uh, so, but he's uh, he's just a great uh, a great mind to be able to have in the room to bounce some ideas off of. Uh, that's done it, you know, at the highest level in the NFL and in other places as well, and um, and a recruiting machine. And uh, so I, I'm I'm loving working uh, every day uh, by my buddy, uh, Coach Combs. I, I West side Jesus. With, yes. He's a, He's a West Side guy. He'll probably give you shit for moving to the East Side. So. Uh, but I want to stick with the coaches because we had some defensive staff changes kind of late in the process. Just tell yeah. us a little bit about Coach Braswell, Coach Fuqua, what they bring, and you know what what are some of their best traits you think as coaches? Well, I think uh, you know I've been knowing Coach Braswell for a long time, and you know been knowing him since he was a high school coach um, back in his Georgia days, and you know he would come up and visit us. Uh, you know, because he was running, he wanted to run the same defense and had been doing it for a while. And, you know, just a down home, uh, down to earth guy that loves people, uh, want to pe see people succeed in life, uh, want to see the kids succeed in life and, and does each and everything that he wants to do uh, to be able to help those guys. Uh, on and off the football field and, and it's showing it's showing with how they're performing on the field as well as in the classroom uh, he cares he cares he's a uh, a loud guy you know at times he, he he's gonna joke around with you a little bit but a very philosophical guy as well uh, but he brings a lot uh, to the table understanding his defense inside and out uh, but I think he's done a tremendous job 
uh, recruiting over the years. He helped us while he was in Louisville with us in Louisville as an analyst, uh, helped recruit some of the guys that uh, we just mentioned, you know, Yaya Diaby and uh, a couple other guys that, you know, I can't wouldn't say their names because they're at other schools now, uh, but helped us recruit some really big-time football players. And and I think one of his best traits is um, it's just his love in nature. I think, um, you know, him loving uh, each and every kid like, uh, you know, they're his own. And and I think that's something that uh, he's always had and will always continue to have. And I think that's no doubt has worked in his favor uh, so far. Uh, Fuke, old Coach Fuke, been knowing Fuke for a while as well. Uh, Coach Fuke played for Coach Nate Woody, who, uh, you know, like I say, uh, ran this defense and, uh, you know, been knowing him for a long time. Coach Fuke is a great mind. He played nose guard in this system and uh, but knows it inside and out. And he brings a lot of knowledge. Uh, he's another guy that's called it for over the last, I think, nine years or so. Uh, so that gives me another person in the room that, um, you know, hey, I can, hey, what, what you thinking here? What you think? You know, uh, you know, those type of things that happens in games. And uh, uh, I think his greatest, uh, you know, um, um, greatest deal is this, is that uh, he loves he loves a coach, man. He's a he is a diehard football coach. And, and when I say that, I mean. Uh, it's he's thinking about it constantly. You know, he's coming to my office, you know, bringing up, hey, what, what you think about this? What you think about this? Uh, you think we need to change this name? It's just all day, every day. That's what he does. And I think that's why he's one of the best, uh, you know, defensive coaches in this country. Take me through this spring. Um, it, you know, obviously you guys have talked a lot about when you got here, you were, were impressed with how engaged a lot of these guys were mm-hmm. and how much they wanted to learn. Uh, but you start to get out there in the spring and start to see him on the field. You knew coming in clearly that this was a program that's identity has been defense. Yes. It might not look like it in the bowl game, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, what would, what have been your overall impressions as you've gotten to work with this group and, and see kind of how everything is, is starting to take shape and fit together. These guys are just so eager to learn, you know, I mean, they, they want you to continue to just throw things at them and just say, hey, give me more. I want more. I want more. I want more. And it's like, all right, just, just pump your brakes a little bit, guys. Let's learn some of the basic things uh, that we need to learn in order to be able to play this defense uh, very, very successfully. Uh, they're very eager, very eager to learn. Uh, the other thing is uh, they are competitors. I mean, any and everything these guys do, they want to compete in everything. I mean, you look at all, a lot of the special teams drills we did, uh, a lot of situational football things that we did this summer, uh, this spring uh, in football. Uh, those guys want to compete. They do not want to lose. They hate losing. I mean, they absolutely hate losing. And and that's one thing that I really love. And, and they compete their butts off. Uh, they give everything they have uh, for this program. And, and, and hopefully we'll be able to see that uh, come to fruition in the fall. Uh, you know, the guys just continue to make plays and, and, and playing with that passion. Uh, as well as just, you know, continue to be eager uh, to learn and learn the ins and outs of the opponent as well. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm so geeked up with these guys. It's um, it's not even funny. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to to get back to work with these guys once we get back this summer. Where did have they... you, have oh, you come into a position like this before? Uh, or is this kind of unlike anything you've seen where, where you've come in and you've had so many guys that were ready to jump on that same page and ready to, to get in the books. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, when, when you look back in my career, 
Um, you know, when I first went to Appalachian State, they were kind of already successful in a lot of things they did defensively. Uh, you know, and then we, you know, made that jump up to, uh, you know, FBS football and in the Sun Belt. Yeah. And we recruited that way. And, and it was we we want to train. Now, that train was not stopping. And that train was moving re- really, really fast. And, I, and, and we had really a, a lot of success there. And then when we went to Louisville. It's, it's tough when you're taking over a program um, because uh, because they were losing. Right. Um, so. It, it was really tough taking over that program, um, you know, from from a defensive standpoint. Like I told you, I was the fourth defense coordinator in four years that they had had. And so uh, they, those guys were really eager to learn as well. They really were. And that's why we ended up going eight, uh, eight and five that year and had a, you know, a pretty good year, you know, beat Mississippi State in the bowl game. Uh, but they were really eager to learn as well. Uh, I think the difference um, here is just the mindset of, you know, they've always they've they've been winners here you know this whole time you know they haven't had a losing season and i don't know how long uh played in the college football playoff a couple of years ago so that mindset was already instilled in these guys uh right right now you know um so i, I really haven't ran into a situation where uh everything almost every box was already checked for a group you, you get what i'm saying um whether it's the eagerness to learn um the the competitive nature uh, they've already won, um, playing really good defense and have been in the top 20, you know, last couple of years defensively. So I haven't run into a situation like that, and uh, I don't know if I ever will again, uh, but this is an awesome situation to be in in my shoes right now. From the start of spring, and even from the start of when you guys really got your hands on them and got really going, where has the group kind of grown the most, whether it's, understanding concepts whether it's you know taking that to the field like you know where do you think you are now compared to when you guys really got going well i, I think when we first got here uh just the overall understanding of the defense was uh was at a was at a low and, and i think leaving spring game uh, you know i think uh we're we're really really high in understanding the defense uh, a good bit of it and and i think um you know uh, from those guys, just you know, studying so hard and giving it everything they have, uh, and just their eagerness to learn. I think that's why we made that big jump from the first day uh, we started, you know, practice or even just in some OTA things with those guys. Uh, but just the overall knowledge of the defense, I think, is uh, is one thing that really, really stood out to me that those guys are really starting to understand and is really starting to click with them. You mentioned Dante, Juwan. You have a pretty stout and deep front mm-hmm. played a lot of college football who, you know, I don't want to categorize those guys as anything, mm-hmm. but they're not like your typical edge pressure type guys. Who mm-hmm. are the guys that you're looking to kind of fill those roles? Cause if you're going to bring the heat, you got to have some, some dudes that are flying around coming off the edge, coming up the middle. Like who are, who are those pieces that you're, that you're working with and trying to bring along in in those in that regard. Well, I think uh, you know when you talk about that dog position, um, you know he's one of our main pass rushers, and that's uh, uh, Daniel DG, and, and DG has done a tremendous job this this spring, man. I mean, he's another kid that you wish you had a lot of. I mean, when I, when I say this kid plays hard, he plays hard, 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 balls to the wall each and every play. Uh, and, and understands what he's doing, and very, very sharp uh, kid that loves the game. 
Uh, I mean, he's he's amazing. He really is. So he's a guy that's coming off the edge uh, with that speed. Uh, and then to the field, you know, a good bit of the time you see, uh, you know, uh, EP. You know, EP's done a tremendous job as well uh, of coming off the edge. He's very, very quick. He has a very, very fast, uh, you know, get off. And so he's another guy. And then you think about uh, some of the backups to the dog position, you know, Jamal, um, uh, Jay Will, you know, he's he's coming to his own. You know, I'm so proud of the way uh, that he responded to uh, us moving him to that position. Uh, and he has, you know, done everything. I mean, everything that we've asked him to do. Uh, actually had a pick in the in the spring game. Could have had two. So, yeah, could have had two. Could have had two. <laughs> But he's he's done a tremendous job, so he's coming off the edge as well. And then you think about uh, uh, Malik Van. Malik Van has has done a great job, you know. And um, you know, so we got some guys we got you know to we got we got some tools to work with. Um, you know, Rob is another kid that comes off the edge as well, a longer guy uh, that that had a really good spring for us. And so uh, Watley is another guy as well. You know, we were able to get him back toward the end of the spring. And uh, so we got some guys come off the edge. We just we don't we don't just have those big beef guys up front, uh, but we got some guys that come off that edge too. In in your defense, do you bring pressure from corners and safeties often, or is it mainly a, a front seven deal? No, it's 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 from everywhere. Like I say, it's it's from everywhere, man. I mean, I mean, if you go back and you look at you know the Wake Forest game or you know the any other game. Uh, we we bought corners, we bought safeties, we bought linebackers inside, outside. We just we bring them from everywhere, um, depending on what you're doing, and we try to manipulate the, the protection as much as we can to get what we want. And um, so I think um, you know, within what we do, it's going to come from everywhere, and, and you'll you'll see that this fall. Uh, when you when you talk about Taj. That's a guy that's kind of – he was a bit of a jack-of-all-trades mm -hmm. for the previous staff. He did a little bit of everything. Can you tell that he's a guy that's had – he's worn a lot of different hats and maybe now – and I know I've seen him a little bit like when you've taken Deshaun out, he's played a little bit of star as well. Yep. But what's it, what's it mean for this defense to have a piece like him that he can play safety, he can play nickel, he can – and he understands kind of everything because I feel like he kind of got lost in the shuffle just mm -hmm. because of the, you know, yeah. sauce and mm -hmm. Kobe and, yeah. and Arquan and, and mm -hmm. Brian cook and, mm -hmm. you know, but now Taj maybe at this point in his career is getting a little shine now that he has been a guy that's accepted that role, yes. never griped, never complained, mm -hmm. did everything the coaches asked. Mm -hmm. And now maybe he's ready for uh for his spotlight. I think he is. Uh, you know, Taj, like I say, has done a tremendous job, uh, not only just on the football field, but just leading in general. Um, you know, he's that guy that's called in defensive meetings, you know, uh, from the back end, you know, just getting those guys to come in and watching more film. You know, uh, he's hungry. He's eager. And I think uh, he, he is a jack of all trades. And we want to use him in multiple different areas as well, you know, to, to get the most out of him, uh, to be able to help us defensively. But when you have a guy that can play – the, the strong safety spot, the nickel spot, um, the the star spot, you know, the the free safety spot, or even slide him out at corner if we need to at times, you know. That, that he brings more value uh, to us uh, when you have a guy that can do that. And so with him understanding the game, uh, has a really, really football high football IQ, 
and that helps. That helps put him in position to make plays. Uh, but he's also out there being a the quarterback of the defense as well, getting other guys lined up uh, and helping those guys uh, be successful as well. You, you had a little bit of attrition at safety, uh, mm-hmm. one in the transfer portal. Unfortunately, Jacob Dingle with, with the neck injury yeah. medically has uh, has retired from football. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where are you at in the depth of that position? Because adding Taj back there does give you mm-hmm. uh, a, a, another frontline guy. You talked about DJ Taylor, uh, Brian Threats. Uh, I thought Isaiah Hicks, or not Isaiah, Isaiah Cox had, mm-hmm. a, had a pretty strong uh, spring as well. Mm-hmm. Just where, where are you mm-hmm. at at that safety position, being that that's kind of your baby? Yeah, we're, we're a little thin right now, and, and that's uh, that's what we're doing right now, working at Transfer Portal, you know, trying to, you know, add to that, uh, add to those pieces back there uh, so we can have some really good depth, uh, not only just defensive, but also for special teams purposes as well. And uh, so we're, we're a little thin right there, but I think those guys that, that you just mentioned, uh, you know, threats who uh, I think he's found a home at that free safety spot. Uh, we started him at strong safety, but I think it's for the free safety spot is his home uh, and had a phenomenal spring. I mean, unbelievable spring, um, you know, and I think he's probably one of the most improved players on that defense. Uh, when you think about, you know, from start to finish the spring ball, uh, you know, you already talked about Todd and DJ Taylor, DJ Taylor's a, an unbelievable talent, uh, can run uh, like no other, has really, really good ball skills, great range when he's in the post. Uh, he's probably one of the best uh, players that I've ever coached. And Coach Carey even second that. He said he's never had a, a post player, uh, you know, intercept balls, uh, you know, outside the numbers, you know, multiple times in spring. And so we're going to use him uh, a lot with his man coverage. He can cover man. Uh, he also play post. Um, but he's done a tremendous job. Isaiah Cox is the uh, is a guy that that we have to do a really really good job of of trying to find him a role. And I don't know if that free safety spot or the star spot uh, is his home. It's one of those two. You know, he has really good talent to where he can run, he can tackle, uh, has good ball skills. Uh, but we're going to find him a home. And uh, it's either one of those two spots. But uh, but we're just a little thin. We got a you know a young puppy coming in and and uh, and Jaden Davis. Uh, as well that I add to that depth. Uh, but we're looking in the transfer portal to try to add uh, a couple more safeties to be able to give us some more depth. And then uh, I'm going to test my vision. Uh, unfortunately, because of my situation with my wife, I missed a good deal, a, more of the spring than I would have liked. Mm-hmm. But if I had to have picked an MVP on the practices I was at, yeah, I'd have gone with Jordan Young because I, it felt like we know what a we, we know what a lockdown corner looks like. Yes. He doesn't he doesn't look like Sauce like yep. physically. Yeah. But not many people do. Yeah. But it but it felt like he acclimated himself quickly to this defense. He's got ball skills. He his hips move fluidly. Yes. He can turn and run. I, I just felt like his performance was something every practice multiple times was jumping out at me like, dang, he, like, he can go. Yes, he was one of the leaders in, um, you know, in the defense with interceptions this spring. Uh, smart kid, and not just on the football field. You know, he's, you know, he's almost a, a 4.0 student, you know, uh, in the classroom. And, and that also translates to football. You know, we always say that the academic piece of it uh, is very vital to us as well. Uh, but that kid, you know, I mean, you said it. I mean, he, he came in and inserted himself, uh, you know, didn't do a whole lot of talking, just let his actions do the, do the talking and uh, played really well. 
And, um, you know, I think Jordan is going to have a heck of a year for us, you know, um, you know, this coming up fall. Uh, but is a guy that, that doesn't lack, doesn't lack confidence. Uh, right. You know, he, he has it. And, and like you said, man, it's so many times that, you know, he's coming up making big play after big play after big play. And, and that's what you want. You got to have a guy like uh, a sauce that can lock somebody down on the backside or front side, wherever you want to put him and, and understand that, Hey, that guy may not catch a pass on that side. Let's now let's load the coverage up uh, to the, to the other guys and, and try to give, uh, the quarterback a different look. So, but Jordan Young is no doubt a a, a great uh, addition that we added, you know, in the transfer portal this past January, and uh, hopefully we can maybe go find us another JY, uh, you know, this uh, uh, during this uh, this portal season. Speaking of the portal, do you have you mentioned safety? You just kind of mentioned. Are you just looking everywhere for the best players, or are you focused on any particular? spots that you're like man we really if we if we could really find some depth here really find yeah. an impact guy here that would kind of take us to the next level well i, I think number one uh, uh position that, that we've put in a lot of uh a time in right now is uh the inside linebacker spot uh to be able to get some depth there that's that's our number one deal is to get some more depth at the inside linebacker spot and then the safeties you know we we, we got to get more safeties there uh and then you look up front we would love to add uh, another pass rusher Okay, uh, we're looking for another pass rusher, uh, and then as well as a uh, just a one more nose possible, uh, to be able to you know give Dante and the rest of those guys uh, some blows at time uh, that have played you know some college football. So, uh, looking all over, but mainly you know the inside linebacker spot, the safety spots, and the pass rusher. Give us your early thoughts on Cincinnati. How, how has the uh, the transition been? I know you, you told us. Uh, before the show, you guys have picked a spot. You got a you got a yep. place that you're going to live. Uh, what's what's your read on Cincinnati? Ben? it's just a better Louisville, right? Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, I, and, and being and being honest, man, it's 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 so similar uh, in everything. You know, the city, the the people. Uh, I mean, it's it's really really similar. The transition has been awesome, uh, especially for me and my family. With me. Uh, being that close, you know, uh, to 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 them, to where I can, you know, I I actually been driving back and forth every day, uh, you know, to and from work. So, uh, you know, it takes me about an hour twenty minutes to to get to the house, and and I want to be able to see my kids every day and my my lovely wife. So uh, uh, the transition has has been awesome. A little bit different from when I went from uh, Appalachian State to Louisville because it's six and a half hours, seven hours. Right. I couldn't do that drive every day. That's a long right? drive every day. Yeah, it's a long drive every day, right? So the transition <laughs> has been awesome for me and my family, and uh, we're loving every bit of Cincinnati right now, and we can't wait to get up there this summer, um, you know, full-time and, and get to mix and mingle with uh, everybody in the community and uh, see what else, uh, what all Cincinnati has to offer for us. You guys gave me a lot of great recommendations before the show, too, uh, eating-wise, so – I got those notes. So if anybody else want to give me some great recommendations, I'm all ears. We can do like Dave said before the show. Like we're we're both fat guys. We like we <laughs> we, we thought about just doing. We were just gonna do a food show. Like for yeah. the Bearcat show, we were just gonna do a food show. Yeah, <laughs> that might have been more successful. Possibly, but oh you know, man, that's awesome. We we stuck to the Bearcat stuff, and then we mixed the food stuff in. We got. Yeah. Are you a Skyline guy yet? I have, you know what? That's the one thing I have not tried yet since I've been there. I haven't. I Dave's haven't got tried. a recommendation. Dave will make it easy for uh, for a newbie. What you got for me, Dave? What's that? I sorry, I didn't hear. It. Skyline. Oh, what what about it? 
like you, the way that you do skyline for a for somebody that's not necessarily uh no just just the conies you know. don't don't mess with the spaghetti and shredded cheese don't don't do that i'm italian you it can't is. put you can't put shredded cheddar cheese on spaghetti like no <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll get down with, i'll get down with the conies so you, you know. get down with the conies yeah <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm most definitely gonna try me some uh some skyline uh, once me and the fam get there full time. Have you done graders yet? Like, have you done any of the since? Well, we, we have, we have, we have graders. We have graders here. So my kids, uh, every Friday after school, uh, go to graders and get some graders, uh, ice cream. There you go. There you go. All right, man. Well, we will, uh, we will not keep you any longer. I know you've got a lot of work to do when it's uh recruiting season is open. Yes. So, uh, you know, go, go out there and, and get some guys in here and, and keep that momentum that we saw last week. That was, uh, that was a fun week. I know you can't talk about names, but as a coaching staff that had to feel good to see, all right, this is working. Yep. And and this recruiting staff we put together is doing a heck of a job. They're doing awesome. Our recruiting staff is doing an amazing job. And and so we're, we're lucky to have those guys uh, uh, with us on staff. And, and, I mean, they're working tirelessly trying to get, um, you know, guys on the phone, transfer portal guys, things of that nature, and sign, uh, lining up visits. Um, so it's, it's, that's, I'm surprised you guys didn't hear my phone buzz and that's all them these wearing the group message. So it's just buzzing, buzzing, <laughs> buzzing all day, all night. Uh, but no, they're doing a tremendous job as well as Coach Sack. Uh, we're getting guys committed and, uh, now just, uh, trying to be able to hold those guys until signing day. All right. Well, we appreciate it, man. Great stuff on your first appearance. And, uh, I'm sure hopefully there will be many, many more. As I we, can't uh, wait down the road. I love doing podcasts, man. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Thank, well, thank you. you. We appreciate it. We'll yeah. talk soon, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys later. Have a good night. You too. There you go. Brian Brown, new defensive coordinator for Scott Satterfield and the Cincinnati Bearcats. Dave, your takeaway, you, you got to talk some ball and get, get to get a better feel for Coach. What do you yeah. Think? Ready to go. I, I like it. I mean, he's he likes to talk. We like to talk. It's a good, good 40 minutes or so. And, you know, I think it's uh, – it'll be – It'll be different, that's for sure. Like, not that you have to get used to it, but like, it's the, the last defensive staff did not approach uh, defensive football near in nearly the same way. So, uh, it'll it'll be entertaining for sure. And we'll ask him. Then I forgot to ask him this time how much he thinks his defense is like the old school, like a variation on the old school three four. Yeah, but. Uh, we'll have him on more. I mean, I, I think he's the guy clearly fits into our format because he likes to come on and, and talk ball and, and right. get into the get into the good stuff. So yeah, uh, there you go. That's uh, it's Coach Brian Brown and our our introduction to him and, and his style of football, his style of defense, which is uh, basically tell everybody to go tackle the court. <laughs> I'm third, cool third, third brown, third and Tenuta. We're gonna go third brown. Yeah, third and brown. Third down. Yeah, just third brown instead of third down. Third brown. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Um, any other football stuff you wanna you wanna get to tonight, Dave? I don't know. I mean, they. Uh, I don't really think it's worth talking about the commits i'm sure you guys handled that yeah we hit that we hit that pretty hard on monday night um yeah i'm not gonna really add anything else to it 
Uh, on the Bearcat front, draft-wise, let, let's do a little draft talk. Yeah, of course. Uh, we'll, we'll end it with some Bengals talk. Yeah, yeah. For, for the Bengals fans that are here, we won't, you know, we'll give you an opportunity to consume that at the end of the show if you'd like. Uh, as everybody knows, Dave is an absolute draft junkie. Thank you, Chelsea, for the compliment. It's been a great week for for content here at Bearcat Journal, so. Um, I had somebody in the thing, we, we talked about the Dion stuff last night yeah. on the nightcap that, you know, just, I felt was relevant because of how many people wanted him to come here and be the head coach. And it's certainly interesting. Uh, we had somebody say, this is Cincinnati, a Cincinnati channel, not a Colorado channel. You guys are getting hard to watch. It's like, well, don't watch. Then don't watch. Nobody's, like, nobody's making you. I don't even watch <laughs> all the nightcaps. Like. Right, like, and you and you work here. Like, <laughs> You're, we we do not take offense if we cover something that does not interest you. Like, yeah, it's it's know, okay. It's, it's okay. That's what op, you know. There's options out there. You know, you don't have to. We we appreciate it if you can literally eat the entire hog. But like, Look, if you guys would... talk, if we talk about something for ten minutes or a nightcap or whatever that's not really your jam, then that's okay. Some people are going to like it and enjoy it. If you don't, that's that's okay. And guess what? We're also not going to invent topics. And if there's not something necessarily Bearcat right. related, especially on the nightcap, like you and I one time a week can, there's, there's usually plenty of things to discuss. But when right. you're doing a nightly thing, there's not necessarily something of relevance that needs its own segment for, uh, you know, every night I, look essentially we take fridays off uh so there's like 310 nightcaps a year like 300 shows i would like for there to be a uc like a uc centric topic that we can talk about for 15 minutes every day but some days we have to get creative yeah it's okay uh draft wise uh I don't think any of us are really expecting anything night one. No, definitely not. Uh, um, Tyler Scott, Friday. I would, I think, I would think so. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I think as long as nothing crazy comes up with Kelsey, I think I'll be at the Tyler Scott draft party on Friday night. All right. Where's uh, that at? Providing some content. Um, I mean, you I can't. Don't say over the air. We don't want to he sent me an me. address. I don't know what exactly where I'm going. He sent me an address and said, <laughs> run through. Uh, well, I hope he gets then, drafted if you're showing up to provide content. Yeah, I mean, but I think there's a pretty good chance. I do, I do too. I mean, third round, yeah, 95-ish picks in the first three yeah. rounds. Um, yeah. Well, even more than that, actually, because of comp picks. I mean, I know the Bengals have, have the 92nd pick, so – yeah, I mean, the wide receiver position is weird. Like, this is no knock to Tyler, but, like, it's a shitty year for wide receivers. There's a ton of five, nine and a half to 5'11", 170 to 183-pound guys, and and you just never know where those guys are going to get slotted in. Like, I could see him going in the second. I could, I, I feel more comfortable that he's probably in the third, but... Again, it's like there's a lot of the same guys. So if you if a team hones in on, you know, 
who's a guy that they like, you know, he could go earlier. I think he does have some where like a lot of these guys are probably slot only. He does have a good amount of, I mean, his college experience is on the outside. I don't think that's where he necessarily translates in the NFL, but there, there is a little bit of versatility there where he, you know, if you needed him to, he could, he could jump outside, but you know, it's just going to be a, you know, like it is with any draft pick. I mean, we all speculate, but it really comes down to, to who goes where and, and how they view these guys. The, the thing I will say with Tyler and, and look, we, you know, we had him on a couple weeks ago on the BDP. Um, he, there's a, there's a decent chance that somebody falls in love with, in love with them and takes him in the second, like just because of who he is, like what he's about, the, the way he carries himself, uh, his intelligence, his football IQ, the way he plays the game. Um, there's, it's not a, a uh, Homerish thing to say that there could be a team that falls in Tyler Scott and jumps and takes him before anybody else has a chance to get it. Well, I'm, I'm definitely watching the Titans. Yeah, yeah um, let's say about the Titans. Titans, and with the caveat that if they trade up from 11 to try to get a quarterback, then that probably goes out the window because they'll likely have had to give up the picks that they would have used to take him. Um, so, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, Ivan is another one that's. <laughs> it's been no. super quiet with no. him. Yeah. Because he just is what he is. And it's just going to take someone that. Um, that is cool with it. Like, I think he's fourth, fifth round. Uh, you just, you know, you're not going to get over the fact that he's a 5'10", 230-pound linebacker that really excels in the in the pass rush element of it. So, like, how much are you really going to be on the field when your role is that defined uh, and you haven't really been a special teams guy? It's it's going to affect, affect you. So... You know, if I had to guess, I'd say fourth round because he's still just a badass in that role that he does. Yeah. So, I, you know, I feel pretty good saying that. And then Josh and Trey, I would assume somewhere middle of day three, it kind of feels like for those two guys. Josh, the, I feel I like Josh has been a bit of a riser. Um, but again, the tight end position is loaded but is right. is that a good or a bad thing like it'll be interesting to see. i'll i'll have a good idea on him when when round two's over yeah. because if dalton kincaid michael Mayer go both go in round one and then darnell washington luke musgrave sam laporta and tucker craft all go in round two plus maybe a Brenton Strange or somebody, if another guy jumps into round two, then I think he maybe has a shot to get into round three. Because a very deep class is now cut in half in the first two rounds. And he's he's right in the mix there then with that next range of guys. 
if some of those guys, if the depth of the class pushes guys deeper, then I think he's more of a round four, round five guy. Yeah. And Trey. Trey's five or six, I think. The speed is going to get drafted. The, the the special teams, the speed, um, his ability to, to be impactful in the slot. Yeah. Uh, he's, a slot, he's a slot only, but he's an undersized slot. It yeah. does that does offer special teams value, but you know, you're you're if you're a team drafting him, it's because you are deficient in the slot and need someone in the return game. Right. There's a like. There's just going to be a specific number of teams, right? That Trey is in play for, um, and even and some teams will not even have him on their boards because they may be like power slots, and they're like, right. we don't care how fast and elusive he is. Like we're not having a five seven slot guy, right? Um, those four, I feel pretty confident with. Like those four, I'd be shocked if they didn't get drafted. Oh, they're those guys are getting drafted. Lenny and Arquan. I'm I'm actually I've like not that I was di- I think I think Arquan's getting drafted. Do you? I do. I've kind of like I don't know, I'm not sure necessarily why, but I said the same thing. I, I think he does. I think he goes in the seventh. I think he brings some corner versatility, whether it's slot or outside, he's gonna help on special teams. Um I don't think Lenny gets drafted. His his draft process didn't did not go great. Um, so, but I think I think Arquan does have a shot to get drafted. Okay. So if I set the over over under at four and a half, you're taking over. Probably. Um, there's just a lot of <laughs> there's just a there's a lot of round six round seven picks. Right. So, right. you know, and we know teams need corners. We know he's got the experience. We know, you know, I feel like someone's going to be like, he's a good guy to bring in in the set, maybe in the seventh round, fight for a roster spot. We can play him at two positions. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I, I would probably take the over. I want to. This isn't anything sports related. This is just insane to me. I'm going to pull a video up here real quick. This is going on in Dallas right now. What? What is that? Like hail? Hail. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Look those at that like, poor cow. Those are like boulders. They 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 had a picture of one. It was like the size of a grapefruit. Oh my. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, that's some serious hail. Yeah. They get some crazy weather down there. Yeah, that's like the crazy, like right in that region is the crazy ice, hail, chaos. Yeah. Um, Free agent guys. Van Fossen, you know, I think for sure. Jabari. Somebody gives a look. Jabari, somebody gives a look. Tunstall. Jabari told me he's probably going to try linebacker. Oh, really? Yeah, like turned down quite a bit outside outside, the, outside yeah. the three four. Yeah, yeah. kind of what um, who am I thinking of from two years ago? I don't know. 
played defensive end and then moved to outside linebacker in the NFL. Oh, um, shit, now I'm blanking. Yeah, see, see. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Curtis Brooks? No. No. I didn't no. think he did. No, he's no. a nose. Uh, shit, he, they played a little bit with Tampa. Yeah. Um, now I'm really going to be pissed off. Yeah, Elijah yes, Ponder. Elijah Ponder. There thank you, you. Thank you. I don't know why, but my brain just brain just went empty. I think Tunstall get a get a look. I mean, he's an offensive lineman that has played left tackle. Like they're, we everybody yeah. knows you need you know an offensive lineman are going to get looks. I think Lorenz will get a look. I think Oakland, if he finds the right spot, could be a practice squad like developmental guy at guard. Yeah. I mean, anybody. I think anybody that bigger. plays offensive line is going to get either a, a free agent deal or tr- at, le- at worst a tryout. Yeah. So that's what to look for, you know, this weekend on the uh, the UC front. It won't be as uh, chaotic as the last couple of years, but there's still going to be a pretty high number uh, of guys selected. You know, it, it won't be crazy, but it's going to yeah. still – Still bode well for the program to have another year with four or five, you know, maybe six guys uh, that that pop up uh, and get selected. Uh, basketball wise, uh, you were in, uh, before we get to that. You, you were in Vegas. Did you run into to Dan Simon while you were in Vegas? I, I cannot see con- elusive. I cannot confirm nor deny that I ran into okay. Dan Simon. Okay. It was it was a time. I will just say that. <laughs> it was a time. Not not a good time, not a bad time, just a time. It was a time. I'm still recovering. <laughs> uh basketball wise, uh CJ Frederick is added. You now have Jamil Reynolds and uh CJ Frederick as the two products so far in the transfer portal uh, thoughts from you. Everybody's heard from me uh, multiple times thoughts from you on the addition of CJ Frederick. I like it. Um, we've obviously talked about the need for shooting. Like that's, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest thing to it. Um, I want to get your thought on this and I'm going to say this as someone that is not trying to be, you know, David Downer. Okay. Am I right to be somewhat concerned that there's a lot of ifs involved with the projected like top seven guys? Like if Jim, if Reynolds loses 20 pounds and if. Yeah, I'm not worried about Reynolds Newman, losing 20, 20 pounds. So I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about that one. Okay, so it's like, but that, you know, if you're not worried, then that's great. My whole thinking before this is if. He, he yeah, but my point, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll make my point on Reynolds. He had lost that 20 pounds and, and entered last season right. at like 260, 265. Then he broke his wrist mm-hmm. and and that limited how much he could do, right. uh, to, you know, to impact his conditioning. When he came back, he had gained 15, 20 pounds. So I'm not overly concerned about Reynolds. Let's go to okay. the next one. And just if CJ and Newman can stay healthy. I mean, I'm, obviously, I think you have to be more worried about Newman because yes. it is one thing that has caused him multiple problems. Continuously, right. Right. 
with CJ, you know, last year, like, he broke a rib on a camera underneath the basket. Like, totally, totally freak thing, right? Yeah. Uh, the hamstring thing. Like, a lot of guys pull their hamstring. Would I, am I a little more concerned because his hamstring ripped off the bone? Like, I don't know if that's, I don't know a lot about hamstring yeah. surgery. Like, what if, is that just one has that, tight, what if he just has tight hammies? Right. But what I'm saying is, like, am I supposed to feel better about that because he had the surgery and yeah. you're a lot less likely? I don't think we should ever problem. feel better about anything when, when there's a surgery. They something to a bone. <laughs> when they take something came off of a bone and put it back on. But like, yeah. I guess my thinking there is like when a guy like tears his pec or like tears his bicep, it's not like yeah. you hear like then that. Like, that... Then, it be, then it becomes a, a reoccurring thing. Right. Right. Of course, right. you know. And and I'm so, and I might just be looking at this like no, I'm just talking through it. I'm, like yeah. I, I think there's legit with Newman. I think you have to be concerned until you're not, because that knee has been a problem for him for an extended period of time. Right. And I, and I don't think Wes should have gone about like adding other dudes that have never been hurt because there's no tell. I mean, anything can happen, but it, right. you can't you can't help but let it like cloud your view a little bit of like. We're, we're relying on some dudes that have had some things. And if those things were to happen again, we're kind of in the exact same spot we were in last year. Yeah, and I think that's why the concern arises, right? Because I think everybody looks at last year and says, that could have played out a lot differently if John Newman is healthy all year and Rob Finnessy gives you – 25 games instead of 12. Mm -hmm. Like that, I think it's a team that looks a lot different. The roles are allocated different. You know, the, the, the minutes, the way the roster fits together is allocated differently. So, yeah, I mean, it's a valid concern. And, Um, and if we're being honest, like Vic has had some injury things both, both years too. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, unless it becomes like something that a dude just has like rubber band ankles, like I don't get too concerned over an ankle sprain, right? Um, but just because it's it, it's it's basketball, like yeah, I mean, it go play basketball for two hours, probably gonna sprain your ankle. Well, I I will because I can get off the ground like this much, so there's really no way to to sprain it. I think you could probably still find a way. Uh, you, I don't know. I have some wild stories of twisting that didn't result in any injury. So, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. That, that's just kind of like my, you know, not, and it's not that I'm down on any of it. Like I'm actually re- very excited about all of it. Um, especially CJ from the shooting element. Like, yeah. you know, there's a massive void on this next year's roster from that standpoint. Like, you're not going to, you know, low post and mid-range teams to death. Uh, you you got to have someone that can make a damn jump shot. So, uh, and, and Nick's right. The Reynolds waiver is in the if category. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. The Athletic article today put it, you know, summed it up pretty perfectly. Everybody thinks it's going to be fine, but nobody knows it's going to be fine. Yeah, what if they're just like, screw all you guys. We're not giving waivers to anybody. 
Yeah, like, but then you know, are they open? Are they fine with opening themselves up to the lawsuits they're gonna that are gonna happen? If that's their stance on it, like, there's a lot up in the air that yeah. we don't know. Like, is this the one thing that the NCAA is gonna try to like put their foot down on? They they are right now posturing like it is. Uh, I think there's a lot of people in and around the college basketball community that are looking at him and saying, okay, prove it. Okay, prove it. Because I guess what the, the athletic article said, there's only 20 guys that are three years or less of, uh, you know, experience. That have moved twice. That have moved twice. And then there's another 20 something that are in their, their four plus. Yeah. So it's not uh, a big are, number. So they might just no. say like, Hey, sorry, 40 dudes too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how um, strict they try to be on that front. So it doesn't matter at all that Aaron McKee got canned. No, no. they have made it clear coaches moving is not going to get you a waiver. Uh, mental health, uh, academic, like learning issues, or, you know, in relation to the school that you were at. Being on the same team as Khalif Battle, can that get you a waiver? <laughs> you would think so, but I guess not. You would <laughs> think so, that, but I that guess That could not. be mental health. It could. It could. <laughs> I laughed at the one coach that was high and mighty about, well, everybody's going to try to use the mental health loophole to get through. And it's like, well, I, I understand you're white knighting for that thing. But if the NCAA is going to how force exactly, you. How exactly do you say, no, you don't have a mental health claim? Well, I think that's what the coach was getting at is so now everybody's just gonna play that card and it's like well yeah because if the ncaa nobody trusts the ncaa in the way that they operate if they say this is the only way you're gonna do it then we're gonna try to shut it I down guess I, I guess i just don't understand it and you can tell me like because you know much more about this than i do like why does it even matter like if a guy wants to go to a different school four straight years, why does why does anybody care? Right. A coach can do that. Right. What like a coach can go from division two to the MEAC to the American to the Big Twelve if if they want to hire him, but, uh, right. but why can't a player? Like who cares if a guy wants to go to a different school every year? Like, what, yep. what do we, why do we have an arbitrary thing that it's like, oh, one time is fine, but two times, no, we cannot allow two times. Right. Two, one, everybody gets one free, but two, that, that's out of bounds. That's just, that's just, that's so that's over the line that, you know, we cannot <laughs> allow that to happen. We cannot allow these 40 kids out of 300 and something teams that have 12 to 13 players on every team. Yeah. We cannot right. let these 40 guys do this. Right. <laughs> the 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 fate of uh, NCAA basketball hinges on whether 40 guys 
can uh, yes. complete their second. College race. basketball, as we know, it hangs in the balance of this yeah. decision. <laughs> but ultimately, back to uh, and Nick says, physical and mental health are the big two. They're calling it the Brandon Waiver. Well, why the hell do you think everybody's leaving UD? Um, any other thoughts on, on CJ Frederick being added to, uh, to the roster? Um, I mean, other than hope he shoots 40 something percent again. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah, it. I mean, if you get a 47% three point shooter, like that would be good. Yeah. I think that uh, would help. I think that would help our chances of winning games next year. It's a, it's a bold take, Dave. Yeah. Bold take. Uh, other than that, uh, Seamus Lukosius, I think that's, I think I've gotten at least closer. Sinus. <laughs> Seamus Lukosius. From what I'm hearing, um, could be any time in the next 48 hours. Uh, so I'm expecting a decision sometimes between now and Friday. That doesn't mean there's going to be an announcement in the next 48 hours. I'm just expecting a decision in the next 48 I hope we get him so that I can nickname him the deviated septum. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I... I, Is that kind of where everything stands? Like, his decision kind of hinges on, you know, obviously if some... Yeah, we always talk about it. Like, if certain dudes become available room can always be made but yes I mean, we're kind of getting to the end even to the end of that um so based on what he decides they could still be active if he does choose to come to uc do you kind of see that being the the end of the, the roster being pretty much set based albeit the the reynolds you know decision still looming uh yeah i mean i think if they if they add Seamus, I think that's probably it. Like, I, I'm, I don't rule anything out in sure. college sports these days. That's a fool's errand to say, you know, for certain, you know. That, but I think, like, with those 13 guys, like, I, I think you're pretty happy with where things are at. Is, yeah. is there, you know, an off chance that somebody just says, all right, well, my roster position changed and I don't like it? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that from this group. But I mean, you never know. It's it's 2023 in college athletics, and the door is open until May 11th. So you know, we'll see. Um, but I, I I feel pretty good if Seamus committed that they would they would probably be done. Um, if he doesn't, I think obviously you you keep looking, and if you you know you have, I think at that point. 12 you feel pretty good about and then if you can find that right fit then you jump on it but that's you know that's not a it's not a sure thing anymore so no um yeah that's that's what i got for basketball for right now i still i've got to catch up on things down this weekend i i don't think there was anything major uh that jumped out from the road this weekend. I think, especially with, you know, now that it's public and I can talk about it, 
they had Seamus in Friday all the way through Saturday morning, and then they had C.J. Frederick in until mid-afternoon on Saturday. And then the staff really got on the road. Uh, I think a lot of that in that, that small window from Saturday afternoon to Sunday afternoon, late afternoon, you're just watching your, you know, Flory and Tyler McKinley and, you know, the, the primary dudes, uh, that you're, you're, you're pushing for. Um, so, you know, I, I think we'll hear a little bit more potentially this weekend, uh, as they start to maybe widen the net a little bit, uh, on that 2024 class and 2025 now date 2025. <laughs> 2025 we're talking about kids in the class of 2025 well didn't the football team last week offer a 2026 kid i think so yeah i mean you're <laughs> gonna see some of that too we're getting too, that, we're that getting part. too old for this oh god we're, we're, we're unbelievable. too old for this uh i, yeah. I will answer uh bearcat 12 because i do actually have some ipf in all right there. have at it from a little birdie, you know, Chad's got his birdies. I got my birdies. Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny like a date that some renderings may be released, but I have heard that they exist and that the things that uh, have floated around in the background of some recruits tweets are not them. Um, As we have been telling people for months and months and months. <laughs> but I can confirm that some real ones do exist and that they've been seen by human eyeballs. And I believe the uh, the words I've been told were something along the lines of N like nothing we've seen before, uh, you know, just will be unbelievably awesome i might have been making that part up changing the words around a little bit but just very very cool very very exciting exciting stuff so hopefully that sees the light of day soon uh now that the project has been like completely green lit there was an article in the cincinnati business courier where the scope of the project is now 134 million dollars and not 100 and that does not seem like that $34 million is inflation-related. It is... Uh, it's improvement-related. Scope of project-related. So, um, yeah. So, hopefully, you know, May, you know, since there's only, whatever, four or five days left in, in April, I don't think they're right. going to release them during the draft or over the weekend. It <laughs> seems like poor planning. So, hope hopefully, we could see them soon. Uh, how about to the guy that was complaining earlier on YouTube, close your ears. Matt Lanham wants to know your thoughts on Colorado. Uh, I am fascinated by what is going on in Colorado. Seven, he's going to potentially be able to bring in 70 new players in one cycle. Just because we've never seen anything like it, which, yeah. of course, we haven't because there's never been this transfer portal window. Um, I understand kind of the... You know, some people are probably like outraged over it, but he's told you every step of the way what he's going to do. Right. So 
I don't know why you're out, why you might be outraged. Like, I think it's maybe a bit extreme. I don't know how you build a program. I don't know how you build depth. Um, like, they, I think they have five corners currently on the roster. And, yeah. like, almost all of them are freshmen and sophomores. They have seven defensive linemen. And five of them are grad transfers. So, like, who's your defensive line next year? Um, right. They're going to give up 100 points, and if they win three or four games, I'll be stunned. Um, but this, like, and I'm in, I'm in this camp, like, you wanted play, more player movement. You wanted more player, you know, rights, in air quotes, whatever sure. the right yeah. word is. Well, this is the other side of that. If you're going to allow players the right to leave and for whatever reason and do whatever you want, then you also then have to give coaches the right, especially in their first year, sure. to manage the roster how they seem fit. Now, he won't be able to do this next year because it's a one-year deal where you can literally cut players as long as you still offer them the opportunity to stay in school on scholarship. But most right. of those guys don't want to do that because they want to play football. You know, Lincoln Riley did it last year and no one really said shit. Now he also had a much better roster and didn't do it to the same degree that Dion is doing it. He didn't um, get it to the studs. No, but I like, I don't know how you th like, there's already like a thousand kids still in the portal from the last time from the December window or whatever that was, the yeah. January window. Yeah. Now there's a bunch more like you're not replacing 50 guys with 50 better players. Right. It's just not possible. Um, so whether he's there just this year, whether he's there a couple years, like I just, I think it's going to be a disaster. Uh, but I'm fascinated to watch it. That's I mean, for it sure. Seems like Alton McCaskill's headed their way. That's a dude. He's a dude, it's and they've got. A, it sounds healthy. like they got a couple guys, a couple defensive guys from Florida State uh, tonight, but or today. But again, like all these new guys weren't there for spring, so you're bringing them in to. Uh, just summer, learning a new system. Right. It's just, you know, I listened to a couple good podcasts on it today. Split Zone Duo talked about it. Uh, Andy Staples podcast talked about it. If you want to get more in the weeds on it, which I, I'm sure, like, if you're a big, college, just a general college football fan, it's certainly interesting and fascinating to watch unfold. So, you know. I guess in the Athlon, Stephen Godfrey was talking about in the Athlon preview, he has a whole piece just on anonymous coaches from around the country talking about what's going on. So I'm, I can't wait to read all those guys just dumping on on the whole thing. So, But Dion's going on, like he made the media tour today and was like, nah, this is like, I, I punted all these dudes. These dudes did not leave because we, want, they, they, we wanted yeah, them to Yeah, I mean, I think they've left. had... I think they've had two guys leave uh, that, they they, that they no, that they wish stayed. Yeah. But now they've also had two guys, a second one, a transfer from Michigan. Yeah. They've, they've now had two guys today who they brought in in January who have now left. Right. 
So it's not just Colorado guys. Like, either dudes that he brought in in January are already done with the whole shit, or he's like, man, that guy wasn't good enough. We thought he'd be better two months later. Like, get rid of him. Right. So. It's it's a wild deal. Yeah. I mean, it's just the stark, the stark element of it that, like, he's basically cutting dudes. Like, they're basically... You know, they are punting they, everyone. They they have the Grim Reaper, so to speak, like they called in the NFL, like on cutdown day, like the position coach is calling you and saying you need to come turn in your playbook. Like you're not playing football here anymore. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. It's, it's mean, unlike anything we've ever seen. And they have just a brutal schedule. They open up with TCU. Their first home game is Nebraska. They play USC and Oregon back to back. They play Utah like they are just going to get destroyed. So it'll be interesting to see like how the tenor changes once games actually start. And sure. And you're he's up there doing his press conferences after getting his skull kicked in week in and week out. Like it'll be interesting to see how he's spinning this, you know, to the media, to the fan base. Oh wow. What are we oh wowing? Uh, the, the new NBA CBA is ratified. There will be no change to the one and done rule for the next eight seasons. That's a, that's a long time. Like they had always kind of just pushed that thing down the road. Like we'll talk about it in a year or two. We'll talk about it in a year or two. Now it's set in stone for eight seasons. That's, that's a long time. (laughs) <laughs> Kathy says the Dion situation will be a disaster. Uh, we'll I mean, see. I mean, I'm it's betting, fascinating. I'm, you know, if you told me to bet a significant amount of money on disaster or rousing success, I'm probably taking disaster. Right <laughs> so, now, yeah. It's easy all, right now to pick that's, disaster. That's, that's all we have to go on. <laughs> right? <laughs> um. All right. If you're a UC fan only and you're not a Bengals fan, we thank you for tuning in. Or just we, NFL draft fan in general. Yeah. I mean, if you're an NFL draft fan in general, if you're a Bengals fan, uh, let's get the thought of uh, the preeminent draft expert in the city of Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. There's look, plenty. Of- hey, hey, look. When Dan Horde stops what he's doing and talks to you about the draft for like an hour and a half, as I've seen him do several times, you're the draft guy. Well, there's plenty of Bengals draft Twitter people that will tell you all about how they're experts on the draft. So right. yeah, I like to kind of, you know, do my work in the shadows, so to speak. <laughs> how do you see things playing out for the home team starting tomorrow and rolling through the weekend? I have no freaking idea because this all right well there you go there you have it uh we'll see you guys (laughs) no because this draft sucks it's not like it's not great like i mean i usually do this exercise and it's obviously much harder when you're picking where they've been picking the last few years i try to do a list of like here are the guys i feel pretty damn confident will not be available 
when they pick. Just a, a way to try to like narrow down what are the realistic options. And this year, I think I wrote like 21 names down, and that might have been generous. You know, I've heard commentary that there are teams that have 15, maybe fewer first round grades. So, like, I mean, there are outside of Bijan Robinson, I'm not even sure there's like a true blue chip player in this entire draft. <laughs> so, you know, to try to give a, a cognate, you know, guess on who they would take at 28 seems pretty futile. I mean, that hasn't stopped any of us from doing it, but. Man, it is. I'm not going to be surprised by much, uh, just because it's it's such a wide open. I feel like after maybe the top ten to twelve, yeah, and even there is, you know, there's things could go just a lot of different directions. Um, you think there's going to be an? Ins- I've heard some talk that there'll just be an insane number of trades tomorrow. But- I don't, I don't know if I believe that because like, right. what are you trading up for? Right. Like you have, like you like some of these guys so much, you're going to give up picks to go get them. Like, I, I mean, maybe, but I, that's uh, well, I guess maybe the thought process on that is if there are really only 15 or 20 first round grades, everybody's going to want to be in the top 15 or 20. But, to get uh, but, one of them. Right. But are those guys also, worth giving up extra capital right like yes there might only be 15 guys worth the first rounder but i'm certainly not giving up a third rounder to go get one of them right yeah for sure you know or some something like that but i mean um you know bengal specific I think Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State has garnered a lot of attention lately. I'm starting to be concerned that he will not be available. Um, I'm starting to see him as far up as like 16 to Washington. I just think corner is a valuable position and that dude gets the ball. I don't care if he weighs 166 pounds or whatever. (laughs) When you have 14 career college interceptions, and I think he picked off like some obscene number, like 16 interceptions in high school. So, like, when you have that kind of production, when you've started, I think it's 34 college games, like, it's hard for me to believe that team, every team is going to go, no, we don't want him because he, he's a little uh, skinny. Yeah. So, he is the – I think he seems to be you kind of also like – skinny? Sauce Gardner was – well, he was, and then three years later, he wasn't. <laughs> this guy is still – this guy is Sauce Gardner when he showed up at higher ground, you know, three, four years ago. Um, So I, I think he would definitely be a target. I think both the defensive linemen from Clemson, Brian Brzee, who is more of a three-technique, Miles Murphy, who's a defensive end, I think they will be targets. Uh they need defensive line help. You know, not, 
they need to get younger and more inexpensive there. They have a lot of money tied up in the defensive line. Um, they have a connection with Marion Hobby, who's their defensive line coach, was at Clemson, coached both of those guys. Uh, I think they lack a little bit on the production side from college. But I also always wonder, like, what were they asked to do? Right. I think that's the thing that the the like the amateur draft experts sometimes overlook is like, yes, is their production awesome? No. But what do you know what they were asked to do? Well, if you don't, then I'm not sure you, how you can knock them for that. I mean, are there plays in both of their profiles that they sh- that you that it's clearly obvious what they were asked to do and they didn't win? Sure, but that's why they would be end of the first round, beginning of the second round guys. Right. Um, Kalijah Kansi is a dude that gets a ton of attention from Bengal fans, from Pitt, defensive tackle, because he does one thing that they could really use very well. I mean, he is a defensive tackle that gets to the quarterback. Right. Now, and and I think that's their offensive line issues the last two years aside. Like, I think that's the biggest reason they haven't won the Super Bowl or gone to the Super Bowl is that, their pass rush was non-existent the last few years at the at the in the playoffs, especially up the middle. Yeah. Now I'm going to throw a number out there, and I'm going to ask you if you would take this chance. He has a 74 inch wingspan, and and 30 inch arms. Mm-hmm. Do you know that there has not been a defensive lineman drafted, let alone drafted in the first round? With those measurements in a decade. Who was the last one to do it? No idea. Okay. I just know that there has not been a defensive lineman with that small of a wingspan drafted, period. And we're talking about him going in the first round. And I think he's going to go before the Bengals take him. Or before the Bengals even would have a chance to take him. That is, you, I mean, you are betting that he is literally one of one. Yeah, I, I mean, I probably wouldn't do that in the first round. And for everything that he does well and how he would be like a perfect rotational, because people are like, well, he's not that good against the run. Don't put him on the field against the run. Like, <laughs> right. put him out there, go get the quarterback, beat the guard, beat the center. Like, I'm all about it. But there would certainly be a part of me that is like, we really want to take that risk that he's going to be the one dude that can make that work. Right. Like people want to compare him to Aaron Donald because he went to Pitt. They're not even close to the same player. <laughs> Aaron Donald might be the best defensive player in the history of, of football. People want to compare him to Geno Atkins. Okay, Geno Atkins went in the fourth round. Right. So you know, there's there's a reason that happened. Um yeah. so you know, I but I I think he's definitely in play if he was there. I just I just don't think they would take him. I don't think they would. I mean, they do take guys with shorter arms. Um, that's that's not been an issue for them. But those are really short. <laughs> so, like his arms are a good two inches shorter than Gina's. Do I got him? You think I got him? You might be close. I mean, Emmanuel Forbes, who I mentioned, as a six foot corner, has a five inch longer wingspan. Look at that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm taking up the whole screen here. That's right. Uh, Matt asks about Jameer Gibbs. He's my slam dunk. I would take him in a second. I don't give a shit about the whole, like, running back. You don't give take a running back in the first round 
stuff. Like, here, here's the way I look at it. So, like, if the Bengals traded down to 35 and took Jameer Gibbs, no one would have a problem with it. But we have a problem with it taken in seven spots earlier. Right. Or eight spots earlier, whatever. Um, like, There's one thing reaching, like, 20, 25, 30 spots for a guy. Five spots, six spots. Like, come on. Well, it's, it's the whole argument, like, don't take a running back in the first round. It's, an, it's sure. a non-value position. And I'm like, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl now. Like, right. With the way that defenses play the Bengals, too high, all that. Like, Burrow is the check down king now. And you want to get that guy the ball on the check down, he's scoring a lot of touchdowns. Like, he just brings an element to the offense that nobody else would bring. And like I said, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. I'm not concerned about whether I'm going to give him a second contract five years from now. Like, this team is going to be totally different five years from now. Sure. If we win a, one or two Super Bowls in that five years, Duke can do whatever he wants. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're interested in remaking the whole running back room, you're not going to do that with, like, a third and a fourth round pick or a third and a sixth round pick. Like, you need to use one in the first two rounds to get a dude that is going to be on the field a lot and then come back later and pick a guy to compliment him. Yeah. It's a it's a very weird draft for them because like where they're slotted, there's gonna be like a lot of defensive linemen, I think, that would intrigue them, but they also haven't drafted a defensive lineman for 20 years in the first yeah. round. So they'd be breaking against a insane history of not doing it. Or they're drafting like a corner who might be considered a reach because six corners have already gone. Or they're drafting a tight end, maybe, which I wouldn't. I would take a running back before I took a tight end in the first round. Yeah. Like, I laugh when people are like, no, even if Bijan's there, like, you can't take a running back in the first round. I'm like, he's being compared to Edwin James and Adrian Peterson. Like, get out of here if you you (laughs) think that they shouldn't take that. I, I, those those guys, they they did a lot of winning. Edger and James and Adrian Peterson. Yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. I have a my whole group chat, my friends. We are extremely interested in Will in the Will Levis situation. Oh, I think uh, it's going to be awful. I do too, and I have a Titans friend and a Colts friend. I have multiple Titans friends and a Colts friend. So anytime there's any like mock draft where either of them are taking him, I send it to the group chat and I'm like, Will, Will, Will. I mean, do you know about this guy? Like he's a serial killer. <laughs> he puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Uh-huh. He eats his a banana with the peel on. With the peel, yeah. With the he peel. has an yep. inner bicep tattoo. Like you, can, <laughs> he, you are not on my draft board period uh, <laughs> he is uh, a funny. psychopath but so really i'm more concerned about where he goes and if he goes to the titans or colts than i am really about who the bengals take that's funny <laughs> but yeah it right. should be interesting i'll be watching the the pat mcafee draft extravaganza that's always hilarious television while the yeah i mean going like on. i don't we don't have you know, the past couple of years, we've had reasons to do uh, a draft night show. Like, I don't think we need to do a draft night no. show tomorrow. And no. I think, like I said, I think I'm probably going to be at, at Tyler's event on Friday. So, uh, 
maybe maybe we have or we have a, a nightcap on Saturday, kind of recapping like everything that happened. Um, do you guys still play your, your drinking games? No, it's especially this year. We'd all die. <laughs> you know, we'll have alcohol poisoning and have to go to the hospital after like the sixth pick. <laughs> it just it just um, doesn't uh, hit the same when it's not all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Yeah, well, maybe Sunday we'll work on you know me, you, and Aaron, or or have a couple of us pop on to do a. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we can do like a, kind do of like recap, a, recap, a re- everything. recap of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably just going to be a lot of day three activities. So Saturdays might be the best. Because they end at like six o'clock on Saturday, don't they? Six, seven o'clock. Uh, maybe even earlier. Yeah, probably some five, six, seven, somewhere in that range. Probably. Somewhere in there. So look for that. Um, and we'll we'll play it by ear from there. Brian Brown, awesome stuff. Like, Heck yeah, that was really all the good. all the coaches have been have been very yeah. very good to talk to. So, you know, looking forward to getting getting more of those guys on, hopefully, and and learning about them and and how they see the program. And you know, it's it's fun to get the chance to talk to them after we've you know we've had there were staff changes before but like i mean the majority of the staff has been the same for the last 6 yeah. years so it's it's well, good it, we had shows when Fick and those guys were hired but it wasn't the production that it is now things are a little bit different with the video and the ability to interact oh, yeah. and like laugh and you know have you know the the quality of things has improved so uh always good to get those guys on and now that we we're out of the spring football window um should do a lot more of that as we we roll through the summer thanks to coach brown uh for coming on thanks to uh all of you for checking in and uh and watching and uh, enjoy your your third your wednesday aaron and i'll have a nightcap a little bit later tonight and uh Hold on, hold on. Stop, Aaron. Hold on. Hold on. We got a a donation from Richard Smiley. Last minute. Thank you. Love the show. He has two questions. Uh, We talked about the prime stuff, but getting his guys now versus later, and then he hopes the Bengals draft Robinson. I I I agree, Richard. I would love the Bengals to... Have Bishon Robinson sitting there at the the twenty eighth pick for them to have the opportunity to draft. I think to draft him, they're probably going to have to go closer to ten. I mean, you know, I would love to see him go to Atlanta. Get Des, boy, Des, Des would have London, Pitts, and Robinson. That would just, be a pretty explosive offense. They just they got a great running team, and you add him. But yeah, that, the prime stuff. Strong. I don't know, man. Like I said, we talked about it on the nightcap last night. Dave touched on it earlier in this show about 15 minutes ago. If you uh, if you scroll back, so our thoughts are there. It's it's a fast. It's going to be a fascinating case study because there's a real chance, like Dave said, they could open up what one and one and four, one and five. And boy, the the heat starts to get real loud. Or they open up like four and two, 
uh, and everybody is talking about how Prime kind of revolutionized. <laughs> they do that. There's some other programs that they're playing that they're going to have to answer. But you get my point. Like, they, oh, you know, for sure. They, there's a if he's a good coach, if he turns out to be a really good coach, and this works. I, I mean, def- defensively though, I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know if it matters if he's a good coach. He just doesn't have any players. Yeah. Literally, like literally. Yeah, they don't have I mean, like players. they don't have any defensive linemen right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a wild like deal. their whole defense is UC's wide receiver room. <laughs> we got one guy left from last year. Well, they, they're. I think they're down to fourteen. I think that's the most recent number I saw. Is they're down to fourteen guys that were on scholarship last year? Left. That they were on that play. They were on the team yeah. in twenty twenty two. Yeah, and they brought in what nineteen high school kids signed, and twenty nine transfers. Two of them have left, so twenty seven. Some of them are already there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then whatever else they they're going to have to add another. 20, 20 something kids yeah 20 25 something kids wild all right thanks for the donation richard appreciate you we will uh we will see you next time this is the bcj podcast brought to you by the holy grail right here on bearcat journal Box.